This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This series contains adult language and descriptions of graphic violence throughout. Listener discretion is advised. Cavalry Audio. Three, two, one. Hello and welcome back, Murder Chronicles Nation. Hello, Carolyn. Hey, Brandon. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing swell. How about you? I'm great. I don't know why, good... but I keep wanting to call you Brando. I don't I don't know That's... why that is. All of a sudden it just came to me. And I'm like, why do I keep having this desire? Like you don't look like Marlon Brando. And High school nickname. A nickname that you I had. was. That was my high school nickname. Okay. It was my high school nickname forever. That's people it. I'm, I'm regressing back to brand. I'm regressing back to high school. That's Great. that's what you bring out in me. So I've had two nicknames that stuck in my life. So it was Brando for a really long, well. They they called me Burger Boy Brandon when I was a kid because my older brothers and stuff. My older brother like making fun of me with his friends. So it was Bug or Booger or whatever. But then you know when I was in high school it was Brando. And then when I was working at a hotel for a long time, um, <clears throat> there were three Brandons that worked there. So they would so you felt really special. They would hyphenate which was, was which was which one. And there was um, a Brandon who also had the last name beginning with M. So they couldn't just put Brandon M. So they put Brandon M-O. So I was BMO. I became BMO for a long time. The whole time I was at the hotel, there's still a ton of people that call me BMO. So it was either Brando or BMO. So call me either one. I'll answer it either. Okay. Yeah. Well, I just um, want to make it my own. I know I don't want to call you Booker Brandon. <laughs> I think that is more fitting to our conversations. My older brother still calls me Booga. Just Booga? Booga. Booga. Like, yeah. What? And I'll like look around like at Christmas oh or whatever. Just really. And I'm like 10 years old again. Makes me feel uh makes me feel loved. Um mm-hmm. so uh so you had a good week? Had a great week, yeah. Lots Terrific. of good stuff. Terrific, same. Um and uh, you're uh, you're getting very creative with your writing, with these episodes, with your opening cliffhangers, and your closing um, emotional gut punches. Uh, and this week was no exception. You know, I vacillated on that because I was like, "Do I give it away?" But I'm like, I want people like this way to the Big Ten. You know, this is this is yeah. kind of like a crazy, crazy story. Yeah. And it, it reminds me of when I was listening to all of the footage and, and you know, reading the transcripts from the, the radio communications mm-hmm. between the SWAT teams. Um, it just rem- I kept thinking of like Apocalypse Now. Like it just I know that's a little grandiose for it, but yeah. but it just felt like <clears throat> very palpable. Well, what I couldn't get out of my head uh, was one of my favorite movies growing up was uh, First Blood. Did you ever see First Blood? That Rambo? Yeah. Um, I probably did, but I don't remember anything about it. What I really liked was Predator. That that with like with um okay, you know, for that kind of forest action, like you know, it still okay. stands up. My boys love Predator. 
watch watch first blood i'm, I'm okay. serious rambo uh, stallone plays this drifter in a pacific northwest town oh right wait a second was there like a an like a crevasse scene where yeah they're like, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, they don't they don't want yeah. him there they're abusing yeah, him in the yeah, police yeah, station. Yeah, he I, beats the yeah. shit out of everybody. And he yeah. lives like in a bunker in the mountains. <laughs> right. I do remember that because yes. I think I I think I watched that with my sons not too long ago. Yeah, it's like- a fucking great movie. It's a great movie. Yeah. And that's, that's what I kept thinking of. Only in that case, you know, Stallone is the good guy who was treated poorly. And in this case, it's a murdering fucking douchebag who killed his family. But regardless, the 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 environment was very, very similar. You know, that yeah. um yeah. and and I was really, really surprised at uh how ill prepared the authorities were going up there. That really shocked me. Right. I mean, I think that just it being April, you know, our weather can swing so yeah. weirdly in the Pacific Northwest where it's April and you're thinking spring and everybody's got their shorts on, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, like you know, it's just sleeping and, yeah, and, yeah, and, it, yeah. and it like was so high up. It had its own, like the elevation was so high that it had its own climate. It sounds like. Yeah. And here's the thing too. These were like the highly trained, like big guys, you know, yeah, hence the SWAT is like usually urban. They're like city dudes. You don't drop them in the middle of the fucking mountains. Well, well we're in the Pacific Northwest where there's mountains or there's trees it's, everywhere. It's so Seattle. it's not like LA. It's Seattle. It's a city. <laughs> The city. Oh they When's should... the last time you were here? Gosh. Were you ever here? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's when I was last. All right, everything the sports reference for me. All right, whenever the Oakland A's were on their twenty wins, twenty game win streak. So oh two or oh three, so twenty years. Because I went, I went up there to pick up a car in Seattle that I was driving back down to LA. And, uh, and as I was driving through the Bay area, I would, I would oh, for two days, I picked up the, uh, the local radio station for the baseball games. So whenever that was Oh, two or Oh three. So it's been a long, long time since I've been up to Seattle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I love the movie uh-huh. war games. Well, growing we... up. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Great movie. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so, all right. So I love how you opened it. Like we in, in screenwriting, we call that an in-book opening. Okay. Thanks. Tarantino's very well known for that. Um, so I love how you opened it because it makes me want to listen to how did we get here? How did we get here with with three tactical SWAT teams, you know, in a hailstorm or a sleet storm in in the the rugged mountains outside of Seattle, and they find a camouflage stovepipe basically coming up out of the ground. Well, what know, the fuck right? is going on? Yeah, super cool. <laughs> super cool. Well, thanks. Yeah, I mean, it, it's so like, that's what I get lost in these cases where you get those details and it's like, you just, you can't leave them out. You know? Right. It's so fascinating. It's like, I know that people lost their lives and of course that's incredibly tragic, but, but what, you know, if I'm like, hey, Brandon, you know, what are you thinking about? And you're like, oh, I'm thinking about this. This guy's thinking, hey, I'm going to spend the, the next eight years building this bunker and then kill my family and like stock it with all the, I mean, it's just kind of like, what yeah. the fuck? Yeah. I'm not sure if he had a psychotic break or if it, it almost seems like some of his behavior was centered around like the extreme, like beliefs of like a cult. Like if someone was saying, hey, listen, 
You can't trust anybody but yourself. The shit is coming. Build this bunker. Arm yourself to the teeth. Stock it with shit. Okay. Kill the people you love so they don't suffer. And then and then go. You know, I don't, but he didn't say any of that. He really didn't say anything. Uh, but it, it's such an apocalyptic worldview that 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 borders on like religious extremism. Uh, I find it as like a an apocalyptic midlife crisis. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like this guy was complete egomaniac. He, I mean, felt like, you know, his wife and daughter couldn't live without him. Like, what the, what's that all about? And it's, and it's basically, you know, domestic violence in that form that always is so awful where it's not like, you know, there was no record of him physically abusing her, but the mental and emotional abuse that these, you know, that his daughter and his wife had to have gone through, you know, because based on the fact, the breadcrumbs of it, like she didn't have access to his money. She, you know, she, he probably made her feel guilty because she'd been in this injury, you know, this uh, work accident and was injured. And, you know, when you're sick and, you know, that's when your partner's supposed to be there for you the most. Right. And he probably made her feel like crap because, you know, she was not healing the way that she wanted, that he wanted her to. Right, and stealing her meds. I know. Stealing her meds. Siphoning, Siphoning off a little bit off. of like one or two pills per prescription so he could have painkillers in case of an injury when he's out there on his own. I mean, the guy thought of fucking everything. Thought of everything. Um, <clears throat> thought he thought of everything. Thought he thought of everything. But, but at the end of the day. The one bomb that he left in the safe didn't work. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they got access to that. And then the other thing that 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 paralleled another story of mine and the devil within um, is that the kid, you know, was lit the house on fire to cover his tracks. Yeah. But the fire department got there before anything happened. The fire department was there in like five minutes. And so um, and that sounds like what this guy was trying to do. Also, he kills his wife and then puts her under a blanket. He kills his daughter and then he sets the house on fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he expected those, you know, gas canisters to ignite and explode and then it would make it to the safe and then there was like the the ammo in the safe and the pipe bomb or pipe something in there that he he thought would explode and um you know the detective called it she's like hey if he would have been, been a better arsonist you know we probably wouldn't have you know she says they would have ended up finding him but i don't know actually right yeah. she said he would have shown up somewhere but then i'm thinking listen if he really 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 wanted to disappear why all the theater Right. Like why the drama surrounding a booby trapped safe where the only evidence is that could find him. Just fucking take it with you, dude. That's an excellent point. I know. So and it just happened to have those bunkers. That's why I'm saying the ego part. Like she was like, right. what do you mean? Those do-? And I, I just feel like maybe in his subconscious, he wanted to get caught. He wanted people to That's know what, what he did. That's what I was getting at. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, there was a little nostalgia mixed in with me too towards the end when she was saying that over, you know, the eight years and the several, you know, all the different treks up in the mountains that they think that he may have ridden a, ridden a bicycle along the power line road and then hiked in from a different way where I grew up in North Jersey. It's the woods. It's like all Newark watershed up until like the Allegheny plateau. And we had motorcycles when I was a kid, like dirt bikes and you could go for hours on these power line roads. And man, it was so great. Just the freedom. 
being like, no, I mean, I, I was too, because, you know, growing up in the Pacific Northwest, my dad, you know, he was a New York cop in the city of, you know, in the city streets. And he couldn't wait to, when we moved to Washington, when I was one, you know, his whole thing was about like getting, you know, 10 acres and kind of building his, you know, Shangri-La. And um, my sister and I would go visit in the summers and and it's like total woods, wilderness. And we would just make forts. We would just like, I think I had yeah. slugs in my purse. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I don't even know what the heck I was doing, but, but it, you know, it was a time when, you know, we were not, you know, playing video games. We were out in the woods doing stuff, you know? Right. Right. And, you know, I, was thinking, I was thinking about this guy though. When, so how did he pick a location? Was it on BLM land? Like, was it like, yeah, it was, it was definitely on, um, like federal land, county, federal land. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so they actually had DNR, the, the people that are, you know, maintain that land, help them kind of pinpoint, you know, it was like so many different law enforcement agencies were a part of this, you know, successful finding this guy. And right. you know, the fact that they were able to pinpoint based on these, you know, that was super help. cool. I mean, that is an, it's a feat in and of itself. Five days later, you know, where the and, power uh, lines are, the one guy saw a stump that he recognized on the <laughs> ground from a picture. That was great. That would have yeah. been, that would, that would have been a lot of fun. But then, but I'm thinking about, so he finds this location. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite parts in, uh, in the Shawshank Redemption was, um, Andy Dufresne's favorite hobby was taking his wall out into the yard one handful at a time. Yeah, right? and it'd go like that with Dropping his, it through his pockets. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That was a huge excavation that this guy had to do. Yeah. But I'm sure he's alone. He probably never saw another freaking person up there. And and you know, and I'm just wondering of the of the construction of it all. Cause he put like concrete footings down. He had two levels. That means there were like rafters mm -hmm. and there were like floor beams and shit like that. I mean, that's that is next level. That is next level. And to have it ventilated and to have it irrigated and and <clears throat> he had lights. Like, where's he getting lights? What did he have? Did he have a generator? Well, so yeah, he did have a generator and he had was making this water wheel. That was his Oh, like, right. The water wheel was gonna eventually be his power source. Right, right. 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 Yeah, yeah. But what I, I can speak to that so many so many uh, clips that I had that of course I couldn't couldn't include but he would take all these videos and it, as I was watching him and he would video himself doing the work and he's like a he's like I think he's like his driver's license said he was like five foot and like 155 pounds or something so he's not a huge guy five and, feet uh, tall five foot five sorry five oh foot five foot five, five. okay sorry, <laughs> okay five foot five he seemed really you know so and it shows him like he sets up the camera and he's like moving this huge log. I mean, this huge, huge, you know, you can imagine this huge Pacific Northwest, you know, he's taking yeah. the tree down and, and he's got this chain and he's doing it by himself. And I'm like, and, and everything that he brought up there, all the tools, like the 30 to 50 pound packs that he would take with him every time and how grueling. And like, I mean, that, I mean, to do that weekend after weekend for eight years, but during these videos, it just the sensation of just absolute loneliness, like him just being in the woods by himself doing this project. And in some of the videos, he was like, you know, I don't know what happened to me. You know, I kind of blame my family. You know, there wasn't enough. You know, I was ugly. And, you know, they're just I mean, it was just really self-deprecating and just this really twisted viewpoint.
you know, because he had a family at home. He had a loving daughter. He had a wife that was injured, but I'm sure who loved him. Like, you know, there's this great documentary called alone in the wilderness. This guy's last name is Prenicky, some weird spelling. I'm not sure. And it was in like a 1962 or 1963. He was like 48, 49 years old. And he just went up to Alaska and he never came back. And he had a little 16 millimeter camera and he would film these little clips. He was completely by himself. And he yeah. built a log cabin and with like a gravel floor and like a moss covered roof. And he dug down to like the permafrost. That was like his refrigerator. He had like a 30 foot tree house where it was like his pantry. So the bears wouldn't get at it. And yeah. for like the next 40 years, he was by himself. Yeah. Like every every couple of years, his brother would fly in on a seaplane and give him like bags of coffee and sugar and stuff. And then like, yeah, see ya. And that was it. And then the documentarians went back up there like 40 years later. And here's this old man, like still doing it. Like still climbing up the ladder to his bear house to get like his oats, whatever, and like going yeah. down and still doing stuff. He wasn't running from a murder. He was just like running away from the things of man just because he wanted to be with nature. Um well, and I love, and so that's the part that drives me crazy about this is because I love that I watch the show alone. I don't know if you've ever. Yeah, watched I've, I've seen bits and pieces. Yeah, my daughter. Yeah, because I love the ingenuity and I love watching people like overcome their, their things when they want to quit and they have their family motivating them to right. keep at it. Like they're not doing it. They're doing it for themselves, but they're doing it for their family and how it's going to change their life. And, and just kind of the, what the body needs to survive, you know, the different berries that need to be picked and then put yeah. in the cash later on to sustain them through the winter months when there's no berries and they need to have certain fish to provide this protein and yep. fats for this. It's so, but with this, it's so fueled by horrendous negativity and evil that it's like, it's, it's like unbelievable. He's just a criminal that had a cool place to hide out on the lamb. And he was too much of an idiot for it to last long. Cause he, what his, 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 his he was out there for what five six days before they got him five days yeah so it's it's just like like all of these stories i don't want to sound like a broken record the 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 headline is the tragic nature of them and the unnecessary loss of life and and pain and suffering involved but i think the just below the headline is The manner in which, A, the murders happened, the reasoning behind them. Um, and this one is unique in that he, this guy kept his shit together for eight years. For I know. eight years. I know. So how old was his daughter when she died? Was 18. She just 18, so because I heard the high 18. school thing at the end. Yeah. yeah. So he watched her grow up from 10 to 18, knowing I'm going to kill you pretty soon. Yeah. Okay. I hope you got into a great high school at 18. That means that she was like, she went through the, like looking at colleges process, boyfriends, like that whole thing that he was right there for, mm -hmm. you know, knowing that he was, a, as soon as his little fucking bunker was done, that he was going to shoot her in the head. I know. I know it's scary. That's fucking that's crazy. Saying. That's what I'm saying. Not knowing what another person is thinking. You know, like what, like I said, the analogy of like, hey, honey, what are you thinking about? I mean, who thinks that somebody's thinking about killing you and devising you? How do you, how do you get a bunker? How do you get away? What would you say to your husband if for six or seven hours every weekend he was gone? 
He's like, I love hiking. <laughs> that was the only only yeah. explanation. You know, it's funny as I was thinking about that as I was watching his the videos that he was making, he was getting yeah. super dirty as one white might imagine. And it's almost like I looked at the bunker as a crime scene, you know, because he's stealing away here. Yeah. And he's like going there, you know, week in and week out. And, you know, he's got the perfect cover. I was just deep in the woods, you know, these Pacific Northwest woods. But, you know, they had their they had their process. And I'm sure that she was thinking, well, you know, it's better than him going out and drinking or him or him going out and, you know, doing other things, going to Vegas with his buddies all the time. So, right. you know, I think that. You know, it was you so much normalized was, behavior. So much worse, though, is what he was actually doing. Right. Right. I mean, who could have even imagined? Because I go out. I, I don't do shit on weekends. There's so much stuff to do around the house. But like three days a week, I go out running. You know, and there's these great hills. You know, the Hollywood Hills. There's great trails. And I'm up there. And but if I like, <laughs> I, if, if I stop on the way home and take a business call, right? So I'm on the phone for a half hour. My wife's like, you okay? Like, where are you? I'm like, yeah. yeah, I'm cool. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Um, this guy got like a six or seven hour pass like every weekend. <laughs> I know, but who's going to think that? I mean, I can see it from both sides where it's like, she's yeah. probably like, hey, get out of the house, get a mental health break. Cause he was probably really irritable and an asshole. Yeah. You know, but every week he hates I, his yeah. job. He hates his job. He probably, you know, comes home and acts like she's not pulling her weight and makes her feel like crap. And, you know, I could just see the the conversations, you know, even at the video at the end when she's like, my husband's so nice. You He's know? so sweet. He did this for me and he did this. And oh, my God. I'm like, and she's He didn't know she had a target on her head for eight years. We'll be back after a quick break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, it's not like that movie Free Solo with that with Alex Honnold, the, the the climber, where his girlfriend's like, I know sometimes he just disappears, and he'll be gone for a while, and he's climbing some fucking mountain. <laughs> but because you know that about him, that's not who this right. guy was. It was it it sort of was though because he's always got his pack and like what oh you yeah okay. that he's doing, and they know that I think that he was so low key about it where he's like, I love, you know, people in the Pacific Northwest, people love the wilderness. Not everybody, of course, Yeah. but it's like, it's very natural. It's very natural that somebody would say, Oh, I love, this is my hobby and I love to do it. Right. It's okay. Like, that makes sense. Called, you yeah. set a precedence, a set of right. precedent for it. And like, this is my, you know, this is what I do. You know, I jog on a routine schedule too. And my family yeah. just knows that's what I do. And, and give it and, a locale in the region that's much more acceptable for people to go out there and spend a lot of time in nature. Um, but this guy's this guy's dedication, his perseverance, uh, his patience is commendable, even though he's a lunatic. Uh, 50 pound bags of cement are a pain in the ass. And he was humping those things up into the mountain. That's insane. 
Makes I mean, concrete. you can't even imagine what this terrain is like. I know you can, but when you watch these videos and you see what he was carrying in these packs and how he was like, it looks like a regular backpack. It's like the extended one. Yeah. And it's and he looks so mousy and like you would never think this guy's got an AK-47 dismantled inside of there, right. bringing it up the mountain. I mean, nobody would ever think that. Ammo boxes, right? Like- Woodworking yeah. tools, fuel canisters. Wow. Food. Food, tons of food. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just it it's it's just crazy what human beings are capable of doing sometimes. And there you was know? no indication. There was no like journaling from either his wife or his daughter that like Peter's being weird lately. And you know, he measured me for a body bag. Like none of that. Well, there, I think that I put that part in there from the documents that I read. It was more like, I think he's going to leave me when Kayleen graduates. graduates high school. Right. Graduates high school. And it wasn't, a, she was, you know, sort of right in that it was a short time after that, you know, he murdered right. them. But I, I mean, I'm sure they had their, their problems, but I think that, um, he presented that was part of his like cloaking device. You know, he presented as this regular working diff right. and just, you know, there was one cut that I don't know if I put in there where he was like going to rob banks. Yeah. Like, at least, at rob banks, take whatever I want. Yeah. At least it wouldn't be boring. Right. You know, like to me, that's like selfish middle-aged midlife crisis yeah, fantasy bullshit. Right. 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 Um, like instead of porn and having a mistress, this was his, this be an outlaw. It. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Fucking loser. Yeah. So <laughs> you mentioned something earlier that um in in this conversation, but also in the in the in the podcast, that he didn't feel like his wife and daughter could survive without him. So is your contention that it was a mercy killing in his mind? Mercy killing that it was free. He, he didn't want to be married or be a dad anymore. And if he wasn't around, they were going to die a slow and painful death. So I might as well just end it quick and disappear in the mountains. Is it, could that be I his that, in a nutshell? I think that that's what he would try to say, but I don't think the evidence supports that. The evidence supports that. Like, why did he have to kill Dino and the cat? Like, oh. they could absolutely survive without him. <sighs> I just think that, you know, like we talk about with so many other cases where somebody could just divorce their spouse, but instead choose to kill them. Yeah. It's like it's like one of those things where it was like, hey, it was a choice. You know, you're choosing to murder these people when you could just walk away and go up into the mountains. You know, if he wanted to, if he thought that they couldn't live without him, he could have given them the forty eight thousand dollars and change that he'd scurried away and then just go up to the mountains. You know, like, here's some money to tide you guys over. I'm gone. I'm, you're not going to be getting any resources from me and, you know, goodbye. You know, you didn't have to do this. Yeah. Yep. Screw loose somewhere. Huh. And that was another thing. Like when he would look at the camera, it was almost like he couldn't bear to see his own reflection. Like there was many times sure. where he's like kind of starts and then looks up and then starts like. Because he knew what he was going to do. Yeah. And that, yeah. and also he just, he's like, I, I, I can't, I, I hate looking at myself because I can't picture, I know that this is how people see me. So, and, and, and I feel like people say that where you're like, they don't, they have no idea who I am. Right. 
Right. Like if you have an, an appearance of being someone who's soft or um, whatever, you appear to be fragile, but you're really not. You're badass in whatever sure. way. I sure. think he saw himself as this complete badass that nobody saw. And when he saw himself, he was like, I can't even believe I look like this because I'm I'm so amazing or whatever. You know what I mean? Well, listen, he had he, he had some evidence to believe that about himself. You know, he had the perseverance to to build what he did up in the mountains, to trek in and out of there for eight years, to do all that. I mean, that would that has to be a confidence building kind of thing. I mean, if but the reasons behind it were were just so fucked up. You know that he, I it's it's so it's just so weird to try and get into into that mindset. Like it's just such a weird situation. And I think that that's why this case, I mean, as tragic as, as it is and was that people couldn't understand it. It's like it's not a crime of passion at all. Right. It's like the opposite. This was absolute premeditated, premeditated like, long term, eight yeah. year. Here's what I'm going to do. As soon as I'm ready, it's going to take a long time. I'm going to go to work every day. Like you, it's weird that something somewhere along the line, because we've all had these admittedly bad ideas right? That are on the horizon. And then something like, oh, that was a really fucking stupid idea. I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad that something came along and kind of nudged me off course, right? Right. Usually a loved one or a kid, right? Whatever. Yeah. That never happened. Like he never had a like, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't kill my family and disappear into the mountains. He remained steadfast and fucking focused. Yeah. The whole time. Absolutely. And and when you think about the the SWAT teams that were, you know, needing take a damn IV, IV. Right? Yeah, no, I'm cool, dude. I'm gonna need an IV. Fuck that. <laughs> and, like had to crunch open his hand and like all that stuff. <laughs> and then two hours later at dinner, he's like, "Honey, take me to the hospital. I need an IV." <laughs> no, I know, and that this guy was like five foot five, bringing these huge packs yeah, and just built like, up a resistance. He got and, tough. And he, would, he wore these big kind of baggy sweatshirts and like Levi's and you would never, ever look at this guy and think. Bad guy. Yeah. He's like, you know, can, can, can do these physical, really physically fit things. Man. Well, um, so the investigators in this, uh, because it happened so quickly from discovery of the bodies mm-hmm. to discovery of the safe and the pictures. And so very, very quickly, they basically realized they never looked at anybody else for this. No. They never even had the chance because they couldn't find him. And she said it, she goes something like this. You always look at family first, you try and clear them and we couldn't find this guy. So it became more and more obvious that he was a suspect. And then they pieced together from the pictures that he was somewhere up in the mountains. They figured it out. Um, so it was a relatively very, very quick investigation. And it came to a close in a, in a, in a, in a quick way. I commend these cops for going up there because uh, if you find one booby trapped thing in the house, you got to think that, that those whole woods are just a yeah. death trap. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Yeah. And given the time, he probably would have made that real. That would have been another part of the fantasy. And why didn't he? Is it too, I, I didn't mean, hear anything. Well, like what she said, I think that 
he had in his mind that this is my go date and he didn't prep the woods for any, you know, none of the, the rifles and guns and the arsenal was even set up. He was in his socks and sweats. as she said, like he was actually even watching uh, the sun. What does that show? The sun's always shining in Philadelphia. It's he always sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. He, he was watching that because it was, had been downloaded into his computer when they, you know, raided it. And um, when they raided the bunker and then they saw his computer, he was watching it. Okay. So he's watching a sitcom. Yeah. Like nothing happened. Like, like, so I think that again, back to his ego stuff, he, he didn't think that they'd find him that quick. So he right. was not prepared. None of his stuff was together. None of his guns were in the portholes or whatever that were facing the Creek ready to right you know that would have been a part of his fantasy especially if he was you know gonna get gunned down you know that would have just been like return some fire and take some people yeah. with them um but he had that exit strategy all along he's like or I, you know i can always shoot myself that's my exit strategy. i could i could always die so okay mm -hmm. what did you think when you heard him when you actually heard his voice after the setup of all this going on what did you think calm uh i just kept thinking resolve resolve you know he's like I, I didn't hear anything leading up to it, but you can imagine what the, his previous video logs were like um, because he was just like, it doesn't bother me anymore, right? I'm not worried about it anymore. Whereas, so he did have some crisis of conscience maybe in the years leading up to it. But at that point with, with the cuts that you played, he'd, he'd jettisoned any of that shit, any reservations that he had. And he was like, I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah. And you know, and if yeah. thing, and if and if things go south, I could, you know, I'll kill myself. So, I mean, it's just what a coward. He waits till his wife and his daughter fall asleep. He shoots them in the head. He sets the house on fire. He runs away into the woods into a little like fort that he built, like he's a fucking ten year old, right? And then as soon as the heat comes down, he eats a bullet. Like wow, that's that's your legacy. That's, that's good. Like that's, that's what you have to show for your time on earth. Okay. Yeah. Still fucking waste. Wow. You know, but some of these you know, doomsday prepper, when I was um, reporting, I interviewed this guy who like had built this crazy, like not a palace for doomsday, but you would like, like, like a timeshare and mm. you like everybody like yeah. kind of joins into this compound yeah. And the way that he was selling it, I mean, you could tell he was a good salesman. And and it was like at the end of it, I was like, well, maybe I do need a doomsday bunker because he was such a good salesman. And it's just yeah. like, it's a mindset. Like, this is what you do to protect your family. And I'm totally not into that at all, you know, because what do you what are you surviving after this, you know, that's like, what all right, that's a nuclear my thing. holocaust? Like Do you want your kids to see that? I don't. I don't either. And I don't want to, I, and we, and we, I feel like we live that experience because the time period we grew up with, you know, that, that was like, Cold War kids, you know, like yeah. a pressing thing that we could get nuked, yeah. you know? And, um, you know, it's kind of like, it's just a different mentality. Because we're, we want to put a pool in right in the backyard. Like every yeah. house in our neighborhood. Wait a second. Let me just say oh, this. Go. I don't think that all doomsday preppers would do this to their families. I don't mean it like that. I'm no, no, I think I think they're the family. opposite. I think they're the opposite. I think they want to do this to protect their families. They're not gonna kill people. 
Okay. Yeah. What I wanted to yes. say was that was that my personal opinion is that doomsday preppers are fucking weirdos, but it's what they do and that's cool and it's their thing. They're afraid of a usurpacious government coming and taking their fucking shit. Okay, great. That's what you want to do and have a million guns and, you know, walls of toilet paper and and freeze-dried fucking ice cream. Oh, great. Do your thing if that makes you feel good. Um <clears throat> There's a funny comedian who says for all those like militia doomsday people out there who are afraid of your government and you think that because you have a bunch of machine guns, you don't understand how tanks work. <laughs> so that's a really, really good point. But but then at the same time, I'm thinking we want like I was telling you, we want to put a pool in. Um, my wife really, really wants a pool in the backyard. And we've got this other section of our yard where I'm like, we could just just dig that out and get one of those prefab like underground bunker things and just drop it in there and, and oh, just have it and just have it. Right. Just who knows? You're no oh my gosh. Like, Are you I a mean, DIYer? Oh, big, big time DIY. I build shit every free weekend, which aren't many, but I'm always building stuff, building fences or I'm building little, little, you know, structures or I'm, I'm you know, doing molding in the house or, I'm, you know, I, I, Building shelves for my kids. Yeah. I used to build furniture years ago. That was my job. And uh I I, I miss I miss working with my hands. But um but that might be cool to have, you know, it'd probably increase the property value, you know. Could use it as a guest room, you know, when people are in town. Yeah. You know. You're talking know. about this underground bunker? Yeah. How well, cool would know, that be? People I, use when I was yeah. doing that story, I found out that. People use septic tanks yeah. as their bunkers. And they're nice. There's there's no you could run power down there, you could be solar, it's vented, you know. Um, it's like a two-bedroom kind of thing. You can get like a like a 500 square foot like bunker. And uh and I'm sitting there and I'm showing my wife, I'm like, look at this, it'd be great. This would be great. God. She's like, You're a fucking idiot. I'm like, no, it would be great. Imagine how cool it would be. We have family coming into town. Do you want to stay in the guest room or do you want to stay in the bunker? <laughs> but it might get a little exciting because there's earthquakes in LA, right? Yeah, but, yeah and floods and all that. And and yeah, you never know. You never know. And this is exactly the point where Peter Keller should have been talking to someone who basically said, this is a horrible idea, <laughs> you know? Yeah, but who did he have to talk to? Who did, who did he have to talk to? He didn't talk to his wife. He didn't even like his wife. You know, he, he probably didn't talk to his daughter about anything because he knew he was playing. Well, he talked to his co-workers. Maybe. It doesn't sound like he had a lot of a, much of a support. Well, he group. had a father. Yeah. It didn't seem like he was talking to anybody. I mean, who, that's not an excuse. You know, no, it's you not. No, of course maybe. it's not an excuse. It's not an excuse at all. I'm just saying that. You know, there's that saying that, you know, I, you, you can show me who a person's friends are. Right. And I'll show you and I'll tell you who they are. You know, like you are, you know, it's like hang around four millionaires and you'll be the fifth. Right. Is is the big one that you hear all the time. Um, and so I don't know who this guy was hanging out with, but he sounds like he just isolated himself. Work, home, weekends, he was up in the mountains. Yeah, I mean, it's tough because he could have when we see what he put into this bunker if he would have tried to put that into his social game or i mean we know he's really capable like i just yeah. don't 
he wanted to do this. He wanted to be a loner. He wanted to be, that's what I was saying earlier about watching these videos of him up there alone. There's, there's something about when you're on a trail, I love going on trails, Same. but I don't like being deep in the woods. I don't also like it. agree. Yeah. And, yeah. and he was deep, deep, deep in the woods. And that's the way that he wanted it. Yeah. Really. So yeah. I, I feel like the fact that he had no one to talk to was because he chose to not talk. Exactly. To and that, and that's the great mystery, I think of this whole case. And that'll, that'll put a cap on it for me is that sometime before he started construction on this bunker, something flipped in his mind that he wasn't going to deviate from this path. Something made it an absolute necessity for him. And you're right. If he had focused that energy in building a business or in working on his marriage or becoming a better father or a better friend or whatever, he could have probably done great things. But this, for whatever reason that we'll never know, this became his path and he was determined to follow it through to the end. And he did. Absolutely. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Woo! Wow. Um, so nice choice for this week. And that was, that was a nice surprise. I had no idea what to expect because you were mad at me last week and you said I didn't deserve to know. And so um, <laughs> thank well, you for that. It wasn't about the Bill of Rights. It was not, unfortunately. I think people <laughs> could learn a thing or two about that. Uh, oh, <laughs> um, but I, I I I enjoyed your storytelling in this. Uh, you teased us in the beginning and then really, you really nailed the dismount emotionally there at the end. Um, so well done. Thank you for that. Yep. Um, and, uh, what do we got coming up? Any idea? Okay. So I can share one of the cases that I'm researching right now. And I also wanted to pass along a thank you to Scott who has reached out to us and he wanted us to cover the story of a successful attorney who back in, I believe it was 1963 murdered or hired someone to murder his wife who was only 34 years old, they had four children together, so he could get the million-dollar insurance policy, run away with his mistress. But what's interesting about this case is that people think that the um, the movie Fargo, the Coen brothers based it off of this investigation. They've never confirmed it. Wow, yeah. that's, that's super cool. So since it happened so long ago, is there going to be anyone for you to talk to? Well, um, I reached out to a guy, the, the author um, wrote uh, M is for Murder, and he's a journalist, and I haven't had any luck getting in touch with him. So if anybody listening uh, knows this author, M is for Murder, uh, I'm looking for him. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I do think, I mean, I love the Coen brothers. As I was thinking about this story, I was oh, talking about, about my favorite Coen brothers movie, which has to be The Big Lebowski. But, yeah. but we also, did you ever watch the one with the bowling? with um the uh what was that that what was that one with the bowling no not the big lebowski kingpin kingpin okay with bill um, murray <laughs> yeah of course oh my gosh that was like, <laughs> so awesome it was great it was a so terrific awesome. terrific movie it's but i think fargo could be a perfect movie the big lebowski i think is a perfect movie i the mean the big lebowski Brothers. is one of my all-time favorite movies yeah i love that scene where julie julianne moore like is going across the ceiling. Oh, to paint? Yeah. <laughs> There's so many quotable lines from that. But the thing about Fargo, what I love about Fargo is, it's interesting that you bring that up motivation-wise because 
the movie never gives Bill Macy's character motivation. Like we never know why he's doing it. And they, they yeah. just, they just, it's not a plot point. And, it's just, this is what he's doing. It so straight. It's like, he's like so annoyingly boring. It's like, you know, I mean, yeah. yeah. So we'll yeah. see, we'll see if I have any luck with that, but I feel like it'll be a really interesting one. Nonetheless. Well, well, thank you to our listener, Scott, for uh, suggesting that case. You obviously got Carolyn's attention. So thank you for writing in. And we, uh, we uh, invite uh, any other listener who has an idea or a comment or a uh, concern or uh, anything uh, that you'd like to see different or anything you want to yell at me for, please. We're all ears. We got a bad review, so um, that's some passive-aggressive mojo from Brandon. What? How dare you? I'm aggressive-aggressive, not passive-aggressive. You're that too, but also yes. very passive-aggressive. <laughs> Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. We're going to wrap this up. Um, like we said, please uh, continue to write into us. Um, your comments could help shape the content of our show, uh, and we appreciate uh, any feedback that we get. So, Carolyn, uh, great job. Thank you very much for your work this week. All right. Thanks, Brendan. Talk to you all next week. Thank you.